0: Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. I want to talk to you today, uh, and before I even get into the message, I'm going to ask you a question. First of all, how many of you are students or have students at home from K through 12? Anybody here? K through 12. Okay. How many of you grandparents have kids K-12? through Come on. Okay. Now, what would you tell them if they were 15 years of age and were going to get taken away from their family, brought to a foreign land, and spend three years in indoctrination that was anti-Bible and anti-God? Well, that's what happened to Daniel. We started looking at his story last week and what to do uh, in difficult times to try to shake you up. Matter matter of fact, if you were not here last week, I rarely say this, but last week's sermon was awesome. And uh, and it's online, and we left the notes up online. Every week we change the notes. Under resources, mylfc.com, under resources, you can get the outline. And the outline will help you. I said last week, File it under T for trouble or S for shakeup or shakedown. Come on. And this Wednesday I received an email from a lady who said, You told us someday we would need this. Well, it's Wednesday, and I need it. <laughs> you know, and it's not so much why is this happening to me, but what are you trying to teach me through this season of my life and what I'm going through? So we talked about Daniel being taken away and brought to a different land, the land of Babylon, and for three years he's going to be told, don't you dare believe the B-I-B-L-E. Don't you dare believe what you heard about God or know about God. Matter of fact, we're not even going to let you eat the food that you're used to eating. We're going to give you our food, and we're going to try to get you to believe in things like astrology and psychics and all this craziness because we don't want you to be a man of faith. So what would you tell a 15-year-old? Matter of fact, what would you tell a friend who works at a place where Christ is not allowed to be talked about? What would you tell somebody who's a part of a family? I know a lady in our church Her husband wants nothing to do with God, and her kids want nothing to do with God. And she comes to church here. She makes everybody breakfast on Sunday, and then they wait for her to get back from church to clean up the mess. I'd like to tell her husband, why don't you make breakfast on Sunday and let your wife go to church? But he thinks she's wasting her time by coming to a church community. And you may have friends like that. So what would you want to tell somebody? Well, we're going to try to tackle some of that today because there's always challenges around us, and especially for those of you that are in education right now, whether you teach or for those of you that are in school or those of you who are going back to school or those of you that have school-age kids or relatives, uh, Proverbs 4.13 says, always remember what you have learned. Your education is your life, so guard it well. Guard the education that you have but not only guard it, filter it. Because not everything we're taught today is actually something we should hold on to. Are you with me? Not everything we're taught today is what we should hold on to. And some of you may say, well, I just put my kids in the public school and just let them do whatever they do. This last year, not Private knowledge is public knowledge. This last year, our, our school district was faced with what many school districts were faced with in California was a brand new way of teaching sex education in the schools. I'm sure all you parents were well-versed, right? With what the fifth graders, the, the seventh graders, and ninth graders were going to be taught in, in the Lompoc Unified School District, right? Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, most of you aren't nodding your head. Some of you have kids. Well, it's incumbent upon you to get well-versed. I looked at the curriculum. I was like, whoa, I had to pray for God to cleanse my mind and my soul after I read it. Now, I'm an old dude. I got extra padding. And I had to pray against what I was reading that it wouldn't stick in my head. Now, I don't want a fifth grader or a seventh grader. Somebody said, well, Sacramento's telling us we've got to teach that stuff. Do you know Simi Valley? Their schools there voted against it. They said, we won't teach it. Sacramento said, we'll withhold money from you. They said, good, we'll see you in court. Simi Valley, California. We're not teaching it. So now I'm not here to talk about school district. Don't worry. I'm okay. I'm not going to talk about sex ed. Don't worry. I'm okay. But I am here to tell you that you better guard your education and the education of your kids and your grandkids. Why? Because wisdom brings strength, Proverbs 24, 5, and knowledge gives power. I am all for education. I think we should learn all that we can learn. We should study. We should read. We should learn technical skills and trades. We should learn how to run computers. We should learn how to play pianos and guitars. I mean, we should learn. We should learn. We should learn. We should learn. I think it's great. But what we know from last week is that 25% of the people of Israel are going to be taken away and brought into Babylon. And for 70 years... They're going to be captive there. But for three years, a guy named Daniel and his three buddies, who will have their names changed, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are going to have their own small group, just like an LFC small group. We have sign-ups coming up soon, so get ready. And what we know is Nebuchadnezzar commanded Daniel 1, verse 4 and 5, he said, select young men. And make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning. He wants the best of the best of the best. And as we saw last week, uh, beauty, brains, and brawn. Give us the strong man, the handsome man, and the smart man. Beauty, brains, and brawn. And for three years, they will be taught, and then we will see when they graduate who's going to end up serving the king. I love what the Message Bible says, Daniel 1.4, indoctrinate them in Babylonian lore of magic and fortune-telling. Daniel one seventeen says, To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. So they're 15, but they're beyond their years when it comes to education. They're smart. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Now let me pause here just for a minute because... Imagine 15-year-old kids being taken out of their environment, brought into a new one, indoctrinated, not even allowed to eat the food that they like to eat. And sometimes people say this, God will never give you more than you can handle. Isn't that a lie? Isn't that a lie? I mean, I've had stuff that's come my way, and I'm going, I can't handle this. Right? So here's what I, what I wanted you to get. I put it on the screen. God never asks you to do something He doesn't give you the ability to do. God's calling is God's enabling. And God will never put more on you than He puts in you or will give to you so that you can get through it. You either have it already or He's going to give it to you. And so when something comes into your life, it's more than you can handle. The first thing to do is declare your dependency upon God. And I know that's what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, because this is more than they can handle on their own. But they have God with them. Now, before I throw the Babylonians under the train, not just a bus, trains have more wheels. uh, Before I throw them under the train, not everything the Babylonians did was bad. They're the ones that discovered Jupiter without a telescope. They're the ones that uh, uh, started naming stars. They studied the stars, not for the sake of astronomy, but for the sake of astrology. And they're the ones who came up with zodiac signs. They determined that I would be a Leo. Okay, we'll give them credit. Okay, uh, They also believe some silly stuff, like if the moon was a certain color that one of the gods, lowercase g, was speaking to them. If Jupiter was a color, then one of the lowercase g gods was saying something to them. And one thing they came up with that was good, they determined that there would be 60 minutes in an hour. The Babylonians. And they also believed that when you turned around and committed a 360 right, which is a derivative of 60, that when you did a 360 view of something, or you've heard this phrase, a 360 review of someone or something, that that was connected to 60 because 60 was a magical number. 60. Okay, I'm glad you got that information. So let's look at Daniel 1, 18 and 19 and 20. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service. The chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them. This is an interview. And he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Again, they're going to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all his musicians and enchanters And his whole kingdom. These guys are now 18 years old, and he says there's something special about them. So, age is not something that we should look down upon. There's some young people, I mean, God, they're just so smart. Uh, We brought some younger people on staff recently, and here's one of the conversations I had with them. Don't you dare feel like your viewpoint, your perspective, or your ideas aren't valuable here. We want to collaborate together. So, I'm sitting at a table with a 21 year old. And I'm saying, teach me. And they're like, what? What? Yeah, I want to learn. By the way, you need to learn from me too. Uh, Don't just put the old people out to pasture. Come on. Sometimes you get older. You know, if you're like over 35 now, some people consider you old. I say, nay, nay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So get this. These guys are the top of their class. So much so that the king interviews them and says, I want your advice. I want you to be at the top of the class. So how do you get there? Well, before we dive in too deep, I want to remind you, uh, you're in a church that believes in the Holy Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. We believe that this book, from cover to cover, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. We believe that there's gems of truth in here for your personal life, for your family life, for your professional life and for your educational life. Back in 1962, the Supreme Court said we should no longer use this as a textbook in schools. They decided. They decided that religion shouldn't be taught in schools, yet secular humanism started to be taught. And by the way, the Supreme Court also ruled that secular humanism, humanism, humanism sorry, I'll be better after lunch, humanism, is a religion. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. In uh, 1933, a group of educators got together to write the Humanist Manifesto, which Dewey, John Dewey, anybody heard of Dewey? Dewey Decimal System? Come on. Uh, And other educators signed. In that document, secular humanism humanism is called a religion. I'm going to quit saying that word. Julian Huxley, a very famous atheist of that day, called secular humanism religion without revelation. In other words, without a Bible, without a text. In 1961, two years uh, later, the Supreme Court had actually ruled a decision that secular humanism is a religion. You can Google all this. It's actually true. So we've heard this statement for years, haven't we? separation of church and state. By the way, do your study on that. That would help us. I had somebody recently tell me, we need to have separation of church and state. You know where that came from? How many know where that came from? Yeah, when the colonies were put together, uh, the people from England had come over and said, we want to get the state out of the church. The separation of church and state was, you tell the state to mind its business and keep out of our religious practice, not the other way around. So now, how do you get students who are students who stand for Christ and believe in Christ to go through some kind of educational system, and then what about this one? They go to a college, and they sit in a room with a professor who says, There is no God, because I say so. By the way, you're paying good money for those units in his class. I talked to a girl years ago. She went to a college not far from here. I won't tell you which one. It's near Santa Barbara. Anyway, <laughs> and she listened to a professor taught, and after one of the lectures he gave, she followed him to the parking lot. And she said, this was profound, uh, Mr. and such, Professor such and such. Uh, I feel there's a weight on your life. You, you were hurt as a young person and I'm praying for you. And he stopped and said, well, I don't believe in prayer, but you go right ahead. Well, a few lectures later, she followed him again to the parking lot and said, did you ever go to church? And he started to tell her about this horrible church experience that he had. See, he carried that hurt. And here's what we know, hurt people hurt people. And she actually befriended him in such a way that she started to pray for him and she would share with him on a piece of paper a verse from the Bible. (coughs) And she just simply asked him, would you read this this week when you have time? And over the course of that semester, he started to soften a little bit and told the class, you know, earlier in this semester... I said, my belief is there is no God. Now I'd like to say this. You have to find out for yourself if there is or not. Hey, that's a long way from saying I'm an atheist to saying, hey, seek and ye shall find. Come on. And I think our young people need our help. They need our prayers. Seventh graders need our prayers. Eighth graders need our prayers. Ninth graders need our prayers. Seniors who are on their way to a college someplace... I stopped one of the young girls in our church, and I said, hey, where are you going to school? And she told me. And I said, do you have a church yet? Well, I got my dorm figured out. I got my major, my minor figured out. I, I got my, 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 my student loans figured out. I said, no, did you find a church? I never thought of that. I said, well, your parents have brought you here And now you're the ripe old age of 18. You need a church. So I gave her my email. I said, email me exactly where you're going, where you're going to be staying. I'm going to find you a church. I'm going to call three churches in that area. I'm going to interview those churches, and I'm going to give you back information on the church. Hey, why would we send our young people away to college and not make sure there's a fellowship of Christian athletes or a Bible uh, a club on that campus or some kind of young life or some kind of ministry that's going to keep them grounded in the Word where they can have a, a Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego experience? It's a crazy world out there, folks. We have to make sure that our young people have everything that they can find. This last Tuesday night, I came to youth group. There were over 80 students here in our connections building. Somebody said, well, it was a farewell for Scott Betchel. It was. I met three kids that never met Scott before. They're that new to the youth group. They know Tyler. They said, we know Tyler. I said, that's good. That's all you got to know right now. Just come on to youth group. We ate carnitas. We had beans and rice. You shouldn't talk about church and uh, food and third service. But anyway, I'm going to talk about it. and and it was so great, and I got to meet so many young people. I mean, they're the hope of the world. They're great. They're great kids. I was in youth group a couple of nights ago. I, I, I hung out in the back for a while, and I listened to the teaching of the BIBLE to our young people. Oh, yeah, they had some games, and they had free dinner. By the way, free dinner on Tuesday night. Bring the kids uh, if they're you know 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. Great, or going into, bring them, and they feed them. They were having uh, pizza and and all kinds of good, all things good, nachos, all things healthy, lots of processed food. Anyway, and, and ice cream at the end. And I listened while the word was being taught. And then they dismissed the students. Okay, guys, you're free to go unless you'd like prayer. And I watched about half the youth group come forward to get prayed over by our youth leaders. That's what we need. I'm sorry. I'm passionate today. That's what we need. Sorry. I'm not going to apologize for passion. I'm passionate. Hey, let's pray over our young people. Let's encourage them. Somebody said, well, Pastor, cool your jets because, you know, the, the, the United States is less and less, and the world's less and less spiritual all the time. I say no. I disagree. Statistics show the other way. Now, I'd love to tell you, everybody on the planet's a Christian. It's not true. But there's 15 million Jews in the world. Half of them live in America. The other half live in Israel. I think a lot of them live in New York and New Jersey. But anyway, there are 600 million Buddhists in the world. Don't tell me the world's not spiritual. I wish they all believed in Jesus Christ as Savior. They don't. There are 800 million Hindus in the world. There are 1.5 billion Muslims in the world. But there are 2.3 billion Christians in the world, one out of every three people on this planet say that they're a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm praying that it'll be two out of every three, and hopefully someday, wouldn't it be great, there'll be three out of three. And if that's true, then Jesus will return because everybody will have heard the gospel. God saved. You want Jesus to come back, start preaching real real quick, get going. Now, let me get to the sermon. (laughs) At least I know I'm long-winded. I've been to church before the preacher says, and in conclusion, which means absolutely nothing. Number one, decide in advance to stand for God. Whether you're a student or a teacher or a parent or a grandparent or a lifelong learner like myself, we need to stand in advance for God. We need to say, God, in advance of any test, any trial in my life, I am going to make you first in my life. Don't wait till the crisis comes. Don't worry till the shakeup comes or, or, or the shakable comes in your life to say, okay, now, Lord, I'm coming to you. You stay close to God now. So when stuff hits the fan, you could say, I'm all right. Listen, you've heard this before. What's popular is not always right, and what's right is not always popular. Isn't that true? Well, it's popular on Facebook, therefore, it must. no, no. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That may not be popular, but that is right. And you can try to change absolute truth by adding something in there like, you know, uh, uh, Donnie Wahlberg uh, is God, or, uh, or Eric Clapton is God, or, or uh, uh, Taylor Swift is God. Uh, you, can try to, you, can, you can even preach it. Taylor Swift is the Lord. I know I'm convinced. And you are absolutely wrong. Only God is God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. By the way, choose your loyalty before the test happens. If uh, you were reading your Bible reading with us this last week, 2 Timothy 3.13, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be be persecuted. Yeah. If you're not having anybody come against you, uh, you're not doing a whole lot for Jesus. Just like bring his name up at the next party you go to, watch what happens. Yeah. Hey, there are three things, and, and, and uh, they're not in your notes, but I've got to give these to you. It's for all of us, but especially for students. When you're going through stuff in life, you, you can take the dive. The dive says, I'm going to drop my faith. I'm not going to defend my faith. I'm just going to take, take a dive like a boxer in a ring. He takes the dive or takes the fall. I'm going to walk away from my faith. Uh, A young man told me a few years ago, hey, my folks made me go to church all my life. Now that I'm moving out of the house, I'm not going to go anymore. I thought, wow. So they made you go to church, but you never met the Lord of the church. Because if you met the Lord of the church, you want to go to church. Okay, that's another sermon. All right. (laughs) The second thing you can do is you can survive. Now, you can take a dive or you can survive. Survive is you compartmentalize your faith, you put it over here, and so you're a Christian here, but you're not a Christian at work. You're not a Christian on the campus. You're not letting your light shine. You're not uh, holding on to your values. So you compartmentalize so nobody comes against you. So you can take a dive, or you can survive, or I'd rather have you thrive. And how you thrive is this. Daniel and his friends said, Even though you try to indoctrinate us, we're gonna excel in the things of God. We're gonna stay close to the Lord. And Daniel 1.8 says, Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself. In other words, the mud of Nebuchadnezzar and his professors were not going to pollute his soul. He was gonna keep his soul uh, clean and right. Proverbs 1:7 says, Start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools Thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. This is a great verse, comes from the message. I think every parent should share this with their kids when they go back to school. Now, I know you have a little time before the kids go back to school. That's why I'm giving you preparatory time. Start with God. You look in the eyes of your young person and say, I want you to start with God. I want you to know that the first step of learning is not getting a new notebook or a new backpack. The first step of learning is bowing down to God, surrendering your life to Him in all things. So, you won't succumb to peer pressure. You won't succumb to false teaching or false doctrine or kids at the lunch table talking about X, Y, and Z that have no biblical basis at all. I want you to be strong in the things of God. See, God's not going to say at the end of your life, How'd you do on your social studies test? He's not going to say, Let me see your penmanship. Let me see if you know how to type without looking at the keys, right? Uh, could you create a spreadsheet or build a house on a CAD system or even build a house with your hands? I think God's going to say this, did you get to know me? And at the end of our lives, he's going to ask us, what did you do with the gift of Jesus Christ that I gave you so freely? Proverbs 15, says, reverence for the Lord is an education in itself. Boy, that's so good. I didn't write it. Solomon wrote it, and this version says, reverence for the Lord is an education in itself. That's where it starts. Number two, never stop learning. Never stop learning. Why? When we bow down to God, we realize that all things that are true and educational start with the heart of God. I don't know if you get impressed like I do. Every time there's a missile launch, I want to be up. I know some of you sleep right through it. Most of the time, i go out to the rod and gun club on the base and get to watch the launch. Now, the last launch we had, I heard it and felt it. I couldn't see a thing. Falcon 9. I'm still enamored. Almost 33 years I've lived in Lompoc, I am still enamored. 2.30 in the morning, I may not go out to the base, but I'm outside, man. I'm standing, and some of my neighbors are outside. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? You should put more clothes on, but hey, how you doing? (laughs) Not me, My neighbor. And, and we watch that thing go up. Now, let me tell you what I know about, about rockets. Not a whole lot. But as great as our engineers are to launch that thing, they do everything in a window. You know why? Because God has our earth moving. Now, they're smart enough to know how fast, and this is fascinating to me, how fast the earth is moving. And they want this rocket to go here into our perfect polar orbit, right? That's what we're fortunate to have here. But they have a window. People go, well, why can't you launch it at night? Because I want to see it better. Because they got to launch it when they got to launch it. You know, I see people on Twitter saying they should launch it when I'm home from work. And I work in Santa Barbara. And yeah, they're, honey, they're going to wait till you get home. And <laughs> they got bigger fish to fry, right? But everything they do, this much I do know. Okay? And if you work out there, you correct me if I'm wrong. They've got to calculate everything to this earth that's spinning at the speed of the spin cycle in your washing machine. You're traveling right, right now so fast, that's why some of you are tired. Okay? This thing is, is spinning. Mathematics, physics, gravity, geography, I mean art, music, God invented all of it and gives wisdom to those who seek wisdom. So never stop learning. Proverbs 18:15. wise men and women are always learning, always listening for fresh insights. Yeah. We listen to fresh insights. We don't listen to false insights. Let me say that again. If you listen to false insights long enough, it'll tear you down. People who make up stories or false insights. See, We are to study to show ourselves approved, 2 Timothy, another verse we read this week in our Bible reading, a workman that isn't ashamed. We are disciples. You know another word for disciples? It's not just followers, it's learners. We are lifelong learners, so keep learning. Knowledge is what we should pursue. Knowledge is information that's gained from education or experience, but we also must pursue, even at a higher pursuit, wisdom. Because wisdom is seeing and responding from God's truth and God's viewpoint. I know people that have degrees out their ears and have very little wisdom. I know some people that don't have any formal education but have tons of wisdom. I'll tell you the ones that are really great, they have both. They have education or they know a skill. They have an ability to do something. And they have that skill or that education and they have... This thing called wisdom. The third thing is read and meditate on God's word. Yeah, meditate on God's word. Now I want to just um, do a little test here. Uh, How many of you would say you're pretty good at meditating on God's word? Just meditating. Not too many meditating. In Eastern uh, meditation. You are supposed to purge your mind from anything that you're thinking about. Cleanse your mind. So when I try to cleanse my mind, I'm thinking about trying to cleanse my mind. Therefore, I'm still thinking about something, you know, thinking about brunch, thinking about lunch, thinking about a hunch, you know, I'm thinking. So I'm thinking about not thinking. Therefore, I'm thinking, ah, it doesn't work for me. Hey, can I ask you just a real open question here. How many of you have ever worried before? Worry, come on. Worry, yeah. Some of you have both hands up. Worry. You know what worry is? It's meditation. Well, why are you worried? Because you were thinking about all the things that, by the way, they didn't happen, but you thought about them, right? Worry is filling your mind with negative meditation, and you end up worrying. Oh, I just tossed and turned all night thinking about what might be and what might happen. Usually, it never happens, right? Thinking about God, we're going to go on a trip. We got brand new tires, but I just know that one of those tires is going to go flat. One of those, last service, they said, "Yeah, by the time we get it, get to, we're going across country." I said, "The last service, by the time we get to Arizona, the tire is going to go flat." I met a lady out here. What are you doing for us to light? We're going to Arizona. I thought, "Oh, sorry. <laughs> May your tires be good, sweetheart." You know. But let me let me say it this way. What if instead of worry, meditating on the negative stuff, we took the Scripture and meditated on that? Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Hey, Lord, meditate. I'm going to meditate on that day and night. Oh, wow. Let me close my eyes, Lord. Meditate on... The Lord is my shepherd. I can see sheep on a hill. I don't know if you can. I can. And I can see the shepherd coming down the hill, calling the sheep, leading them to still waters, restoring their soul. I can see that shepherd. Oh, man, I can see God as a shepherd taking them to the dark valley of the shadow of death. But they don't have to fear any evil. You know why? Because God is with them just like he's with me. Could you imagine if that was your thought pattern throughout the day? What's wrong with the world? No. Go ahead and meditate on that. Guess what you're going to end up with? Ulcers and worry. Headaches. High blood pressure. But if your meditation is on all the things that God is doing. I I, I have a dear friend and uh, uh, his son sends him a scripture every morning. Isn't that cool? Yeah, sometimes he'll send it to me. This is what my son sent me. I thought, isn't that what a great way to start today? Just get a good promise of God and hold on to it day and night. Just let it be a part of your life. I mean, it will change you from the inside out. Joshua 1.8 says, study God's word continually, meditate on it day and night so that you may be sure to obey all that's written in it. The more you meditate on the scripture, the more you want to obey it. And One of the questions I ask when I do my journaling uh, every day or when I meditate on scriptures. How will I live differently because of what I just read? So it's actually impacting my life. But notice what he says here. If you meditate on it day and night, you may be sure to obey all that's written in it. And if you do, you will be <clears throat> prosperous and successful. Now, I don't see this on infomercial. You want to be prosperous and successful? Call me today. I'll tell you how to flip real estate. You'll, be, you'll make a million dollars tomorrow, one day. Well, let me give you something free. You don't even need a manual. You have the B-I-B-L-E already. Find a verse every morning, start your day with it, and ask God to help you be prosperous and successful as you study and meditate on the Word of God. I must learn the truth in order to discern the lies. There are lies all around us in our culture, uh, worldview lies, cultural lies, moral lies, political lies. I mean, the list goes on and on. And the more you know the truth, the truth sets you free. And the more you know the truth, you're able to discern a counterfeit. You've all heard a story. I won't take long. But our U.S. Treasury Department will actually have their agents study a real dollar bill and a real hundred-dollar bill and a real twenty and a ten and a five. They don't even look at the counterfeit ones. They study the real ones so much that they know when the counterfeit comes. Listen, our kids, especially our youngins are young little weebles. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down, if you remember. And the youngins, they don't need to know everything about every verse, about every story, but they need to know enough to say, Mommy, Daddy, that don't smell right. Ah, that's called discernment. That girl told me that. Something was going off inside of me. that just gave me the the heebie-jeebie creepies. It didn't feel right. Oh, that's discernment. We need to pray over our kids that they will know. There was a man in a white van, and he drove up and said the dog was missing. Come on, Santa Barbara County. I ran for my life, Mama, because he didn't smell right. He said something. That I didn't even listen, Mama. I ran for my Oh, and you go, sweetheart, you did the right thing. Son, you did the right thing. Thank you so much. I went and told a teacher that that kid pulled a knife out, and I just didn't feel right to me. And all my friends made fun of me because I went and told. But I did the right thing, didn't I? Yes, sweetheart, you did the right thing you told. God forbid somebody got hurt because of that knife. Hey, we need to protect our kids and our grandkids, the kids in our church, the kids in our youth group, the kids in our community. And if I'm passionate about this, yes, I am passionate about this. Why? Because Psalm 119.99 says, I'm wiser and have more insight than all my teachers Because I continually meditate on your word. Well, my teacher said, what did God say? Now, by the way, I'm not anti-teachers. Don't hear that today. But we should teach our kids in such a way. And by the way, even as adults, we should be so filled with the truth of God that we smell a rat a mile away and say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to get involved in that. I'm not going to choose to get involved in that. And by the way, number four, you choose strong believers as your best friends. I didn't say weak believers, did I? I said strong believers. We've said this in church so many times. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Don't be misled. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be misled. Bad company, come on, corrupts good character. Have we all seen this to be true? Yes. Somebody says, well, how can I teach my kids good character? Well, Proverbs has 31 chapters in it. In 31 days, you could take a chapter a day and read it with your kids and explain it the best that you can with them. Because you know what you'll find out in Proverbs? You'll find out what's wise and you'll find out what's foolish. Proverbs 14:7, stay away from fools or you won't learn a thing. law, which means pause and take a moment. Right? I added that, by the way. Uh, Stay away from fools or you won't learn a thing. Uh, Isn't that great that our kids would learn that? I think that's important to stay away from the fools. Psalms 1 verse 1 and 2, the happiest people, the ones God blesses, don't walk with those who suggest evil advice. They don't stand with those who like to sin and they don't sit around with with cynics. Boy, do we have enough cynicism and sarcasm to last us a lifetime who deny God? By the way, they're in yellow there. I'm thinking about a young person who's walking across the campus, walking across the shopping mall in Santa Maria, walking across Ryan Park at the Flower Festival, walking across a, a parking lot, and people are interjecting evil advice into them. They're walking. By the way, let's teach ourselves and let's teach our kids to keep walking. Far away from those who walk with evil advice. Why? Because first you start walking, then watch. Then you stand. You stand with them for a while. (laughs) Stand with those who like to sin. You got an issue. And notice the next phase. We walk, we stand, and then we, we sit around with cynics who deny God. We need to take our young people And grab them at the point of walking and say, come on, let's walk together. That's why mentoring is so important. That's why good coaches are so important. That's why good teachers are so important. And let me just say this. In our school district, we have a lot of great teachers. We have a lot of godly teachers. We have godly teachers in our church and in churches in our community who are trying to let their light shine before men. That's why we should be praying for our educators. We should be praying for the school nearest our house. Well, right now they're on summer break. Start praying now. So there's prayer going that way for when they get back to school. Come on. I don't know a teacher who would tell you, oh, I don't want your prayers. Start praying for them. And by the way, the last one is they sit around with the cynics who deny God. We need to rescue them. Uh, I wish I had more time to, to tell you stories, but just trust me. There are a lot of young kids, Christian kids who are walking away from God because people they're hanging with are the wrong crowd. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Number five, remember that God will reward me. When you make a stand to make God first, when you bow your knee before God, when you say, Lord, I'm going to live for you and your truth, much like Daniel did, then when times of shaking come, you'll be unshakable. And somebody says, well, this is is so hard. Well, let me give you the words of Jesus, not my words. Blessed are you when people insult you persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be. Rejoice and be. Because great is your reward in Santa Barbara County at the next award dinner. Great is your reward because a school's going to give you a piece of paper that says you graduated. No. Great is your reward in, in heaven. I heard Tyler talk about that today, that God has a place for us reserved in heaven. Great is our reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, they're going to persecute you. Oh, that's kind of cool if you ever get persecuted for your faith. Because people will say, hey, man, can you believe that? And You know what we'll say? Yep. Just a little sting. Nothing compared to the cross, mind you. Just a little sting. And Jesus will say, I know what that sting feels like. Yeah, I know. Oh, and when that third grader, fourth grader, eighth grader, twelfth grader, freshman in college, senior in college says, you know what? I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to go against the Lord. I'm going to stand strong in his truth and in his might. Jesus looks down and smiles and says, way to go. I had to stand strong too. When I walked on this planet, Jesus faced the devil face to face when he walked on this planet. Hey, you bow down to me, said the devil. And Jesus said, excuse me, I don't live by what you say, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, the B-I-B-L-E. I stand on that word. That's what Jesus modeled for us. Listen, so if you're going to be an unshakable kind of person, and next week we'll get really into this a lot more, but... If you're going to be an unshakable kind of person, give God your all. Let his truth rule and reign in you. Be someone who never stops learning. Be somebody who says, God, I put you first in my life. Be someone who meditates on his word day and night. Lastly, I'm not going to take long with this. You heard the preacher say, won't take long. Well, it won't. There's going to be a day. I want you to know this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. Therefore God exalted him, referring to Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, and that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue Acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Someday, every knee is going to bow. Every neighbor, every politician, every friend, every professor, every person who ever made fun of Jesus is one day going to bow their knee. The rock star, the athlete, the celebrity, the politician, Plato, Aristotle, Mussolini, they're all going to bow. Adolf Hitler. I don't know how God does it in his timeline, but there will be a day that Jesus Christ will be revealed King of Kings and Lord of Lords to everyone. And everybody is going to bow their knee. Some will bow too late. Make sure you bow now. Make sure you make him your Lord now. Make sure you make him your savior now. Make sure you don't just say, well, I went to church. No, you get to know the Lord of the church. Every naysayer, every person who's posting stuff, every person who's writing stuff, every person who's looking in the camera saying stuff, every podcast, every YouTuber, I mean everybody, they're all going to bow down at the Lordship of Jesus Christ. because he said this, I am the way, the, ah, the truth. The truth is found in him, the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.